This episode of the YVR Screen Scene Podcast is brought to you by UBCP ACTRA, a.k.a. the Union of British Columbia Performers. UBCP is an autonomous branch of the Alliance of Canadian Cinema, Television, and Radio Artists, the national organization of professional performers working in the English language recorded media in Canada. For more information about UBCP ACTRA, visit ubcpactra.ca. This episode was sponsored in part by listeners like you. Join our Patreon community and receive early access to episodes, bonus content, stickers, buttons, and more. Visit www.patreon.com slash podcast. Welcome to the YVR Screen Scene Podcast, where we pull back the curtain and expose the beating heart of the Vancouver film and television industry, namely the actors and filmmakers and other talented artists who do the work, capital T, capital W. I'm Sabrina Rani Firminger, and today, today I am thrilled to welcome Crystal Balint. Did I say it right? Yes, you did. Crystal Balins, I said your name right. <laughs> Welcome back to the YVR Screen Scene Podcast. Thank you for having me. So when Crystal was last here, or rather on Zoom, this is actually our first in-person podcast. Yes. We gave her our signature actor origin story treatment. Crystal spoke about her work as a World War II cryptographer turned brilliant sleuth in Britbox's The Bletchley Circle, San Francisco, as Grace on Disney XD's Mech X4, and growing up in small town Camor, Alberta, and her love of genre hopping in theater, and also her cat, Vinny. That last one is important. Vinny, I salute you. Crystal spoke with me exactly four days before the premiere of Midnight Mass, Mike Flanagan's limited series for Netflix about what happens to an isolated island community after the arrival of a charismatic, mysterious young priest. I had not seen the series when we spoke, no one had, and so our conversation around Crystal's work in the show was beautifully nonspecific and definitely got me even more excited to watch it. But nothing Crystal said could have prepared me for the sheer brilliance that unfolded on screen or what her character and her fellow island inhabitants would have to endure. Since then, Crystal has appeared in two additional Mike Flanagan projects, The Midnight Club, about the late night meetings of eight terminally ill young adults staying in a gorgeous hospice. The series was based on the work of Christopher Pike, which should tell you something about the deliciously horrific toad, and also the fact that I watched it with my 13-year-old. And The Fall of the House of Usher, a gothic horror drama series that is loosely based on the work of Edgar Allan Poe and premiered in October 2023. Crystal is Morel Usher, wife of the eldest son, Frederick, or Froderick as his siblings call him. She is a dedicated wife to Froderick and dotes on her daughter, Lenore, who has seemed to be the only person to buck the family tradition of being a completely unhinged asshole. Morel seems happy enough in her mansion, baking is-it-cake cakes and watching her insecure husband bowl in his private bowling alley. But then, well, Morel succumbs to temptation and her present and future go up in smoke. Yeah, to those who know, that's a spoiler. FYI, there will be some spoiler talk in this episode. Hit pause now. 
Go watch eight episodes, come back. Welcome back. So with these three projects, Crystal is now a member of the, I think she said Flana fam, the Flanaverse, the Flanaganverse. So I wanna talk about this verse, how it's changing the horror space and what it means to be a part of it. I also wanna talk about a series that is premiering very soon but I have actually seen the pilot this time. CBC Television's Allegiance, which is set and filmed in Surrey, British Columbia. The drama stars Supinder Rage as Sabrina Sohal, great name, a star rookie police officer who must grapple with the limits of the justice system as she fights to exonerate her politician father, Ajit Sohal, played by friend of the pod, Stephen Lobo. We also get to see Enrico Colantini, Brian Markinson of Mug fame, YVR Screen Scene podcast listeners, you know, and David Cubitt, and also Crystal as Supervisor Kara Dega, the head of Serious Crimes. Allegiance premieres February 7th, and you are not going to want to miss it. So today, we'll talk about Morel Usher working in the Flanagan Flanafamverse Allegiance, maybe even Vinny the Cat with Crystal Volant. Crystal Volant! Yay! Welcome back to the YVR Screen Scene Podcast. Thank you for having me. I'm just watching you read all of that, and it's like I would have 100% stumbled over at least a third of those words. So you are really remarkable. It's very kind at of the you. preparation. Very kind of you. <clears throat> I I don't know. Um, we talked about before before I hit record. I don't know what it is. I I always try to say people's name correctly. Yeah. But if I'm worried about it and I check it and I even put it in phonetically, I still stumble. So I just leave it in there. Yeah. You know? No, I mean, you just, you nailed it. That was beautiful. Beautiful. Th thank you. So how have <laughs> the last three years treated you? Well, um, you know, it's been a, it's been a fascinating ride the last three years. Um, since we last spoke, a lot has sort of happened. I've been very fortunate to work on some tremendous projects, uh, both in the Flaniverse and outside of the Flaniverse. Um, I, my kids have gotten bigger and older. They're in school now. Whoa. Uh, so Does that I, open up your world? So I feel like a person again, yeah. which is also huge. <laughs> I think when we last spoke, I was, you know, we were in the thick of the pandemic at that point. Yeah. I mean, so much has changed just both on and off screen for me. Um, so yeah, it's been an exciting few years that I, and I feel really very grateful for all wow, of it. Yeah. That's, I mean, that is huge kids going to school. I mean, Remember when my kids started going to preschool? Yeah, because I had been I had been home with them, and it was like two and a half hours, three times a week. Yeah, but I was like, I would drop them off, and I would be like skipping, and like just so happy. Yeah, just to like be like, okay, I can actually spend some time, you know. But it's not, not like you stopped or slowed down at all before no, then. No, no. I mean, again, I was. I I feel like I was. I've been very fortunate in that. Once I had the girls, um, it's like things just kept kind of coming my way. Yeah. And and again, a big part of that was getting into the projects with Mike mm. and, and his lovely people. Um, but I just feel like it, I've been really lucky. I've just been very lucky. And I keep saying that. I know that this is not always the way. And I know that... Um, you got to seize the opportunities when they come. And I try to, but I also just feel like things have really been, I've been very fortunate and yeah. I just will keep taking the fortune as it comes. <laughs> okay. And we're going to talk, I do want to, this is important to bring up and then we're going to get into a uh, flan of Vinverse. How was Vinny the cat? 
<sighs> Very good question. I know, Vinny I know. is fabulous. Okay, good. He is, uh, he's become way more social. It's funny. I think, I feel like the oh. pandemic affected him too. Like yeah. now that we, you just was with us for like, you know, two years and then we started opening up a little bit and he's like obsessed. Everybody comes in, he's like very vocal and he's very like cuddly and, and he's gotten, I, he and my kids have this like really beautiful relationship, especially my one daughter. She just like, is obsessed with him and he yeah. like lets her pet him and lets him lets her kiss him and it's really lovely so my cats are are like that too we got them like like a year and a half before the pandemic yeah and they like turn into puppies during it yeah you know and demand it and it's like maybe that is what the pandemic did maybe yeah. you know the entire like species of cats <laughs> they, they we finally were able to like move to the next stage yeah they, in our they've relationship like, they've evolved into like a new species of cat now that's yeah. gonna be yeah but it, yeah i know he's fabulous and I okay love him. okay mm -hmm. and i i do hope that you played at least that one part of yes. the podcast episode. Yes. For Vinny. Yes. Okay, Vinny. He's a star. He we love you, good. Vinny. <laughs> okay. So <clears throat> The Fall of the House of Usher premiered in October, mm -hmm. but we didn't talk about it at the time because it was during the strike. Yeah. What was it like watching a series that you have poured yourself into that you have a really intense role? <laughs> Yeah, that's when we to describe morale. Yeah, it's an intense experience, but and not being able to talk about it. Um, you know, it was it was it was not it was not exciting. It was not great. I um, I've for me, it was more of a choice to not talk about it because mm. technically, like, I'm not a SAG member. I work primarily in Canada, so I'm still an actor UBCP member only. Yeah, but as a show of solidarity. I chose not to do any press or do any pub, you know, any kind of publicity or post anything. But it was like, oh my God, clawing at the walls because we had so much fun doing this thing. And, you know, it was hard to watch my my colleagues and all my friends who are SAG members who I know took a ton of like, you know, behind the scenes stuff and had this great experience on set that they couldn't even talk about so we were like texting a lot and you could talk you know, to each other yeah we could talk to each other about it and, and then even mike you know like mike you know they really worked so hard mike from and and flanagan and everybody involved behind the, the scenes the mics yeah <laughs> everyone involved behind the scenes everyone worked so hard for such a long time on this project it was really bittersweet to not be able to go and like really push it that said i know that you know the people at netflix and even at, in Intrepid, they did their best to sort of do like a soft push. The lovely thing about it is that, you know, there's this built-in fan base with Mike's work. So the fans really kind of took the reins and just like everything that was released, it just kept, you know, kept rolling. So we didn't have to do as much. I'm super curious to know in an alternate universe if we hadn't had the strike what that kind of push might have done for us. But yeah. even still, I mean, it was remarkable the amount of attention that it got when it launched, even without all that additional press and promotion. So I think, I mean, being a, a member of the Flana fans. Yeah. <laughs> that's me. There you go. You know, I, I did not, I mean, I did study Poe, but this is like, it's based on Poe, but mm -hmm. it's not, it's not a direct, it's not direct Poe, but I, I, I did not know what to expect, but I knew that it would be 
filled with unexpected moments because every time I have brought expectations to, you know, the previous Flanagan projects, you know, that I watch, yeah. it does not go the way I thought. And it's even better. Yeah. Um, Midnight Mass is a great example of that. Midnight Club is a good example of that. Like Everything is a good example of that. Yeah. Um, okay. So, and now you have the opportunity to talk about it. Because I, I did, I was, we were emailing in the fall and I'm like, as soon as you can, let's talk about <laughs> it. Okay. So tell me about your first response to the material. Well, um, <clears throat> to the material. So I, I, I'll take it a step back, and that is that I was actually offered the role. Um, very fortunately, again, I keep using that word. Mike called me and said, "I have this part that we would love for you to play." Here's a little bit about her. He kind of gave me like the high level notes about who she was, who Morella was, and then he sort of the the, the tail end of the conversation said, "I'm just going to warn you, though, it's." Not going to be easy because here's what happens to her. And so then he starts. This is to, where the spoiler talk yeah. happens. So he yeah. starts to lay into sort of like her her arc and the fact that I will be spending a lot of time on my back and yeah. there will be prosthetics and 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 of course me being the eager beaver that I am and the very hungry actor that I am, I was like all I heard was like in my mind I went like challenge, 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 bring it on. Of course, yeah, great, sounds good. So excited. And got off the phone. Yeah, like I just was so excited. I got off the phone and I was like told my, you know, I told Nick about it and we talked to my agent and then, you know, things started to move forward. And even Trevor Macy um, uh, at Intrepid, uh, Mike's producing partner, when he was speaking to my agent about it, he said, also, we want to just let her know, like, just know it's going to be a lot of eye acting, a lot of facial expressions. And I was like, okay, again, like, I'm an eager actor, ready for the challenge. Challenge, challenge, challenge. And then um, I got the scripts. I got the first, uh, I think, first four scripts, and then very closely after that, the the, the bottom three or whatever it was. Um, and I was searching for my name, and I'm like, oh, I'm only in like two episodes. But then I started to see like how much of it was actually me. I mean, I'm only in really two episodes as an actual person. Let's just say that. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like as a person with a with with all my bits. And yeah, the rest and is- I, I will say, so I, I see what you're saying. Um, without like the you, you don't have like the inch of stuff, you know, yeah, between you and yeah. But like I remember I as I was watching it just like unfold on screen, because in Midnight Mass, you basically wore the same like frumpy clothes the whole time. Yes. And but then when we see your, you know, your Usher character, I'm like, Hey, she looks great. Yeah, she has yeah. great wardrobe. And then your character goes to the to goes the party, to the, goes to the orgy, <laughs> and yeah, I'm like, wow, beautiful. Um, <laughs> And, and then, then I'm like, oh my gosh. Yeah. 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 So, so I mean, I guess my initial response to the material when I saw my part, I was like, oh, wow, they weren't kidding. And then I read the scripts and I mean, my mind was blown by, again, as it always is. I mean, this is my same experience, you know, with Midnight Mass reading the scripts through. It was just like mind blowing. Yeah. Midnight Club, the same thing. I, it was like a real tur- like page turner. I couldn't stop reading them. Yeah. And Usher was the same thing. I just was. And because I knew at that point when I had the material, I knew who was playing who. And I and I had more intimate knowledge about all those people because they've all become my friends now. For the most part, I understand, you know, what they would do, how what they could do to those parts. So it was like I could see it as I was reading it in a really intimate way and in a different way than I might have with other scripts. Mm. So that was really exciting. Um, But yeah, I I mean, it was once I got into I mean, I started pre-production on that. We didn't go to camera till I think the end of January of 2022. Mm. And I started pre-production in October because of all the 
SFX stuff I had to do. So yeah, like, like they, they started casting. putting the makeup on you in October. It took yeah, three months. <laughs> basically. Yeah, it was like the life casting and then the wardrobe and then figuring out all the things and how are we going to make the, you know, the wrappings. And so it was a lot of a lot of stuff, but I loved it. And and like, you know, I've said in other interviews is that what I I've never done anything like that before. I mean, yeah. there was a little bit of SFX on Midnight Mass, but this was a horse of a totally different color. And yeah. I, as much as there were days where I was like, oh my God, this is so hard. I really relished getting to do something that was so different than anything yeah. I've ever done. Yeah. I mean, and even though like we only saw you in your, you know, your full un prosthetic mm-hmm, self mm-hmm. I, in those two episodes like you definitely were not just a presence in you know all the other ones but mm-hmm. you know like I was feeling things <clears throat> and feel like uh, empathy and you know and things so you were you were making that Thank making you. that happen what did you learn about like eye acting mouth acting like what are some of like the revelation what's the revelation you had oh man well <laughs> so it, it's funny because again I go back and think about my my whole sort of career here and and there was a time where I was training a lot and I, and I should go probably back and do some more training, but I was studying at Ben, um, at, uh, Ben Emanuel's studio, Haven studios. And I consistently got the note for a little while there. I was getting the note a lot. Stop moving your face. (laughs) Stop moving your head. You're moving your head too much. Like I was very, the way I speak in my life is like that. I'm very enthusiastic. I'm I'm animated. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. And I have quite an animated face. Yeah. So he would give me this note a lot. And it's funny, I've over since I've stopped studying, I would say in the last eight or nine years, I keep getting these roles that require me to be really still. Mm. Like not just like, oh, it's a good choice to be still. Like, oh, this character has to be still. Right. For various reasons, whether it's a power thing or it's uh but I have to be still you in have a to. bed <laughs> or like I'm getting scenes where I'm sh- being shot super tight. So like I've, you know, I've worked on shows where the director's like, don't move a muscle, just yeah. say the lines. And I'm like, Oh God. So mm. that's, it's interesting that I keep getting these opportunities. So Morella was sort of like this, it's like coming full circle where it was like, you literally can't move. And yeah. I need you to give me everything you're feeling from your nose between your nose and your hairline <laughs> like that's it i mean i would say also say like did we were all kind of training for that during the pandemic yeah. right like during that i mean granted we're still in a pandemic but you know when we had the masks and everything True. too where it was just uh because <clears throat> i'm like i love to smile at people when i'm walking down the street i'm like they can't see that yeah. i'm smiling <laughs> so show it in your <laughs> so eyes my eyes yeah if you google um House, the fall of the House of Usher, mm-hmm. uh, Bruce Greenwood. You know there there will be stories that will show up about the special challenges um, that uh, that that happened yeah. to the series. Um, the the male lead, uh, you know, was let go. Mm-hmm. Uh, and if you want to know what happened, you can find the the uh, articles online. Google's it's all free. Out there, it's yes. it's all there. <laughs> um, and, and you know that role was uh, which is. It's a key role. It's, you know, Roderick Usher. It's like yeah. the, the key role yeah. um, was replaced by Bruce Greenwood, mm-hmm. which meant that a lot of a lot of what had already been filmed had to be reshot. Yes. How did the entire distraction of what was going on with, you know, with that other actor, with the recasting, how did that impact the work and morale and mm-hmm. you know what did production and cast do to you know to to meet the moment and you know move beyond it mm-hmm. well i think 
<clears throat> you know, I, I'll start by saying that, uh, again, I, I cannot say enough nice things about Intrepid and Mike Flanagan, Trevor Macy, Mike Vignari, everyone behind the scenes, the people, the producers and, and the team that sort of supported the cast and crew. Yeah. They did everything they could to isolate the what was happening in that at that high level with those individuals yeah. to keep the cast and the crew isolated from what was happening. So from a press perspective, from a publicity perspective, they really went above and beyond to make sure that like that they, to, to protect us, essentially, yeah. to make sure that we felt safe, that we felt I mean, that's really why that happened. Right. Is it because it got to a point where they felt like it wasn't in the best interest of the show to continue the way it was. And yeah. so that was a way to protect everyone. Um, it's amazing that they had the instincts to know how to do that considering that it's not like there's like a there's not like a manual yeah <laughs> there's like, no guidebook this is what you do when this completely bonkers situation that never happens happens totally but yeah. it, and again that's just a testament to how much they love and appreciate the people they work for and yeah. respect them right and so um they really went above and beyond to sort of protect everyone from that that said what what it meant was that they did have to we did have to shut down production for a time while they figured out how best to move forward once yeah. they had made the decision and find the right individual which i think that you know they eventually i think they kind of already knew the direction they wanted to go i mean Bruce, Bruce is such a tremendous actor and he'd worked so with good. them before. Yeah. And I mean, he's just someone who obviously he stepped in and just blew the pants right off that role. Yeah. So <clears throat> they were very fortunate to have that opportunity to have him step on board. Um, you know, it, what it did mean is it added not only the hiatus that we had to take in order to for them to sort of readjust and then, of course, reschedule and then, mm. you know, jig all of that. It, then it, it added, um, I think it added about six weeks to our shoot time, roughly, mm. if, I, if I remember correctly. Um, and for me, I, you know, I, Morella doesn't interact that much with Roderick's role. Uh, there's only a few scenes, and yeah. and I'd only shot, I think, at that point one scene with with that character. So for me, it didn't actually. Oh, sorry, two scenes rather, but it didn't affect my work too terribly. Yeah. The people who it really affected were his children, the ones that they'd shot with. Carl Lumley again an amazing actor all of his stuff wow. in the the usher house yeah. they'd shot a lot of that already so he had to go do a lot of re stuff you know rejigging with him and then the other way it sort of affected us was that you know obviously as actors and particularly the crew we tend to book jobs kind of stack them you know as much as we can right. not maybe as actors so much i mean those of us who are fortunate enough to be able to do that do that and but but crew for sure right so some of our hair makeup teams our sfx teams oh once we so to, important to yeah show like and, this. And, and, and critical right and they're yeah. the ones who are setting the tone for a lot of this show so there came a point where there were crossovers happening because of the extension mm. that we started to lose some of our key players and in, in behind the scenes stuff and some of our actors who were going on to other projects and they were timed just right um some of us lost jobs yeah. because of overlaps so there were things that did happen but you know at the end of the day like you do what you can and you know that you're in it you're just in it you just have to go like okay we have to suck it up and nobody complained too loudly we all just knew that like we were had to just finish it and everyone was so exhausted by the end of the shoot i mean mike for sure i know and all the other people who again who were taking the brunt of all of the stuff that was coming at them were just 
completely totaled by the end of the shoot. So yeah. it was a long, hard push to the finish line for that one. It was like one. two shoots or like 1.5 shoots. Yeah, like it felt yeah. like we were shooting two shows, essentially. I think probably for most of the people who were there all the time, yeah, it would yeah. feel like we're doing two shows. Oh, man. Yeah. Was there anything in the response to the fall of the House of Usher that surprised you at all, either in the reviews or, you know, the feedback that you were hearing from, even though you can talk about it yeah. on social media, I'm sure people were still telling you about it. Yeah. I mean, that's interesting. That's a good question. Um, I think that surprised me. I mean, I think the thing, you know, not long after it aired, I, I ended up meeting up with one of my castmates for dinner. Uh, she was up here visiting for a little bit and w we were talking about just we really what surprised me and and our conversation what we discussed was that just the response was so so positive mm -hmm. like not because i didn't think people would be but it, it's you know the way mike described it he said if midnight mass is classical music this is usher is rock and roll and and that, which is kind of an interesting way, right? Like Usher was so in your, it's so in your face and it's so, it's so much a departure from most of the things that Flanagan has done. It's, it's character driven, but it's a lot harder. It's harsher. It's a little bit more aggressive. So much of the things that he's done before is, is sort of softer and subtle, subtle and There's a lot more scary. unlikable characters. Yeah. And you kind of hate everybody on the yeah. show. You know what I mean? Like there's, with the exception of one or two characters, um, but you love to hate them. Like they're beautifully hateable, if Arthur that makes Pym. sense. Yeah, Arthur Pym <laughs> or like Sam Sloyan's character, like Tamerlane. It's like she's she's so brilliant at making you, in the same way she did with Bev on Midnight Mass, like brilliant so at making you just go characters. like, you are such an awful human being, but I love what you're doing. Um, so I was just really, really surprised at how much people really glommed onto it. Mm. And... Um, I got a lot of really lovely feedback from people who I know and respect who had seen the show, who really had great things to say, not just about my work in it, but just the entirety of the show, which I'm always just, I don't know, you know, when you go out, go out as an actor, you kind of go like, I hope people watch it. Yeah. And then when people really do, you just, you kind of can't help but have your mind blown a little bit, you know? What is it? What is a Mike Flanagan project? Like, what do you think is the thread that runs between all of, especially now you've been in at least three, right? I've been in three, yeah. 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 Um what what do you think is that is that thread or that um je ne sais quoi? You like know, what brings bit, people to it or a little bit of I mean, because I think it's it is whatever this quality is yeah. that brings people to yeah. it. You know, it's that like like what do you think is that magic? Well, I think <clears throat> I think in terms of like an from an audience perspective, what what I've felt watching his work is, first of all, I'm, I think I said this before, I am not a fan of horror movies. I do not generally imbibe in horror genre anything. I'm a total scaredy cat. I have like a photographic memory. So things get burned into my brain. And I wake <laughs> up in the middle of the night with like the image of something in my brain. I still wake up nervous about Bent Neck Lady from Haunting of Hill House. Um, it's, it haunts me to this day. So yeah. <laughs> I don't generally indulge in these types of shows, but there's something about Mike's work that is so human mm. and there are characters in it that like he, you know, again, I, I maybe, maybe I've said this before <clears throat> when I was here last time, but he said to me in the very first meeting I had with him when we did midnight mass was we are endeavoring to make, um, we're not trying to make something scary. We're trying to make something that is a drama that happens to be scary. Huh. And so I think it's that approach that he takes to his work, which is that like, 
yes, we can make, I mean, and he's really good at jump scares and he's really good at like scaring the pants off you when making things gory. And, but there's, I think it's because you connect to the characters in such a deep way that, I don't know, it, it takes you away from the feeling that it should be scary. Yeah. And then it surprises you when it is, which I just think is a really unique approach to making this particular genre. And and he and he's so great at writing complex characters, yeah. characters that are not just one note, that have these really fantastic arcs and storylines and histories. And he really commits to writing f- fully rounded individuals <clears throat> in all of his projects. And I think that's what draws yeah. audiences to his work. And then as an actor, you know, why wouldn't you want to work on something like that? You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And get to do something fun like maybe prosthetics or to get to be a monster or get to be a vampire or whatever it is. Um, and, he, and they just take great care mm. in not just in creating the work, but in creating an environment that people want to work in, which, you know, it's kind of like the perfect puzzle piece. <laughs> it's the perfect, yeah. it's the perfect little cake. No? Yeah. Oh, <clears throat> bringing it back to Usher. Oh, bringing it back to some, is it cake? Is it cake? <laughs> no, I, I, I actually agree. I, I really, I see a lot of my own viewing experience of Flanagan projects in your answer because I, I cannot watch horror. Yeah. You know, like, but there's, but I love this stuff. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I am hungry for it. I wish that there were always so many more episodes, but. You know, I'm also like they're told in the perfect amount of time and it must yeah. be like that also. I think there's something about this work too that it's kind of like a mirror that that whole like he holds up and the work holds up a mirror to, you know, all of the beauty and also like the imperfections, you yes. know, of what's going on in in the Zeitgeist too, you know, which makes me wonder like what is he working on now? Like what is <laughs> what is because it's a horrific world right now. Yeah. You know, so much so much, you know. Well, I know he's got his hands in some really interesting stuff coming. I mean, he just they just finished shooting um uh, I think the life of Chuck, which I'm excited to see cuz most of a lot of people he he loves to pull from his little, you know, the 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 flanaverse and then he's got some other exciting things I think probably up his sleeve. I I think he's the kind of person who again, I don't want to speak for him, but um He's always struck me as someone who really enjoy loves what he does yeah. and loves the genre and is is always interested in how can we do something different yeah. and wanting to keep busy and keep active and, you know. What does it mean for you as an actor to be part of this, like, company of, it's like a, a, a summer repertory theater company, you know? Like, <laughs> but it's the same kind of thing, right? You yeah. know, of company of actors, you know? Is there... I mean, I can see the the joys of that, but there must also be some, like, are there challenges at all of being part of this cadre of actors? Um, if there are, I, I don't see them yet that I can think of. I mean, there is, look, there's something really lovely about the fact that I now have this group of people that I get to be associated with, mm. you know, that are so talented and really so lovely. Like I haven't worked on any of these projects and met one person who I've gone like, mm, I don't really want to spend any more time with that person. Like not once in yeah. three projects. Now, granted, those have been sort of similar people, but still like even the new people that come in, it's like, it's always feels like they're a perfect fit. Yeah. Um, and it, and I think having worked on mass as being my first project with him, 
it really, that project was a very unique experience for all of us, just given the fact that it was during the pandemic and like in the, like right in the crux of the pandemic. And it was an isolated experience. There were really just us as the act, you know what I mean? There wasn't like a ton of um, uh, outsiders coming in, like yeah. in terms of like day players. You basically was, were the isolated we were. island community. Yeah. <laughs> and, and the fact that we, you know, had to go through the lockdown together, even mm. though we were in our individual cities and places. But um, so it created a bond, I think, between those core people that I think just strengthened what was already happening with him and his his casts and his people. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, I think it just the only thing I could think of that might be a challenge is that every time a project comes up, I'm sure we're all like chomping at the bit going like, is, he gonna, is the phone going to ring? Is it, is this, do I get to be in this one? Is it me? Is it me? Yeah. And, you know, I think uh there's he's got so many wonderful actors from really all over the world now right he's yeah. got actors in, the, in canada and the us and the uk kind of all over the place that he can pull from for each project and i think mass or uh, sorry usher was the biggest cast he'd sort of had he's assembled he tried to pull like as many people as possible yeah that, that. original promo i think it was like just released to social media and stuff yeah. that was like everybody's like photo and stuff I'm like <laughs> yeah. there are this many roles yeah it yeah. was wild and then not to mention like if even there were other actors who um who were in midnight mass or in midnight club who he'd brought in to just do like a scene you yeah. know like like um um uh i'm trying to think of the names but there's a couple actors who i was like oh my god of course of course they're here right yeah. so he's just really good at putting together people and i can't find a reason why it's a bad thing well i mean i, I think it. that the only challenge that i could have seen if it was somebody else is you know being pigeonholed and being like this is the kind of role that don't that only this person like yeah the only oh, kind of role sure. they can play but like i look at you know the the different roles that you have played and they're wildly different yeah um, well and morella was something that i i did not see coming like after when i did midnight mass i remember finishing that show or getting close to the end of that show and this saying to nick like oh my god i hope he wants to work with me again because i know he likes to work with the same people did i do enough like good work and then when he called me from midnight club i was like oh my god and then when i found out that he'd written this part for me in mind yeah. like again like as an actor you dream about that, yeah. you know, to have like a, a someone who's got that kind of vision, who's got you in mind for a part. It's like, okay, I can die now. Like, yeah. <laughs> well, please don't. Good. We want more work. <laughs> yeah. I normally don't like questions that are like, what was it like? But I have to know because I'm so... You've all watched the show, so you know that there's a certain <laughs> point where, you know, Morella's in this um, this room in the house, you know, uh, in a hospital bed, basically being kept a prisoner, mm -hmm. you know, um, by, by Froderick. Uh, and he covers the room with all of these, like, it's like a collage of, like, the same wedding photo, basically. Yeah. What was that like to see your face, like, plastered? Of plastered? <laughs> that must have, I can imagine that must have been, like, really trippy. It was It was kind of wild because we <laughs> shot, we sh actually shot those photos. Like, those weren't Photoshop, but we actually, I had a wedding dress on yeah. and, you know, Henry went and had a suit on and we shot, like, wedding photos. Um, yeah, it was, it was a, it was a total trip. They were literally, I mean, I don't even think, I'm not sure if they show the whole room in this, the takes they used. It was everywhere. I mean, they were like on lamps. There were statues where they, like he'd cut my, supposedly cut my face out. I mean, like Satdeck did an incredible yeah. job of just making it look like an insane person. 
had scissors and yeah. you know tape and just went bonkers it was really really well i think i have some b like i think i took some behind the scenes photos of it like or video <laughs> of me like walking around it just was so crazy it looks so crazy yeah 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 okay we're gonna do it like a a tonal shift i think yeah um because we i we really do need to talk about allegiance mm -hmm. um which premieres on february 7th on cbc television Yay, CBC's coming back to Yay. Vancouver, guys. <laughs> and you play um, Supervisor Cara Degas, head yes. of Serious Crimes. Yes. Um, it is, it's a crime procedural that centers a South Asian sick woman, which I don't think I've seen on Canadian television before. Yeah. What kind of conversations did you have on set about like how... Like, were you standing there being like, this is really groundbreaking? Like, mm. tell me the kind of conversations you were having. Was there an awareness of, you know, how historic it was, you know, yeah. in the air? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think everybody, again, I, I, I keep using this word fortunate and I don't want to sound like I'm blowing my own horn here, but I, this is another production that I just feel really lucky to have been able to be a part of because... Um, I think gratitude is good. Gratitude though, is good. Yes, know. yes, yes. Um, the, the everyone who on this show again from top to bottom was just so fantastic and it was it really felt like i mean we sat down at the first table read and everyone well first of all we were in the middle of the strike which i think a lot of us were just like holy smokes how did we get so lucky like to be able to be working right now yeah and it was so hard like it I, was so hard for so everybody like everybody the industry, felt basically it. and i'll pop a, a link um in the footnotes to this episode that i did that was I think it was titled like how the strikes in Hollywood impacted BC film. Yeah. But basically it shut down, you know, more than 90% of productions. It was like, it was like this show was here. Um, maybe a couple other Canadian productions, some TV movies, but it was like a lot of people were not making money, were, yeah. not, were isolated. It was a really rough time. Yeah, it really was. Yeah. So I think when we all got together for that first table read, there was a lot of like, holy smokes, yeah. you know, we get to do this and we're really lucky. And there was a lot of gratitude coming into it, especially from the actors. Um, but the creators of the show, I mean, I think, yeah, like again, at that first table read, there was a lot of conversation around what this show is endeavoring to do, which is really kind kind of to break ground. Yeah. Um, Anar Ali, the, the creator of the show, is an incredible woman and writer and just collaborator, uh, really fantastic. And she just brought such a wonderful energy to the material. And also just like she was on set all the, like not all the time, but very often yeah. there to kind of just be in terms of like watching the tone and things like that. Stephanie Morgenstern and uh, Mark Ellis, who have incredible have had incredible success with the shows like Flashpoint. Yeah. We're there all the time. And again, really tremendous collaborators who I think all three of them together knew what, what we were trying to do was make a show that was different, you know, yeah. that told stories that we don't often see on television, not just a Sapinder's story, um, but, or Sabrina's story, I should say, but I did text Lobo and yeah. Brian, and I'm like, I hope every time that you say Sabrina's name that you think of me. They're like, yeah, yeah, sure, yeah, sure. exactly. <laughs> um, but not like her story is obviously, you know, pivotal, and and to see someone like her represented in this world is really fantastic and set in Canada which I think is also something really fantastic set in Canada set in BC set in BC set in, set in Surrey exactly um, but there are also like a number of other stories that we represent throughout the the, the season which mm. again I just every single time we would get a script and we would start shooting it like the conversations that were being had in the makeup trailer or in the green room or you know it was all people going 
this is so cool. Like, yeah. this is such a great story to tell. I'm so excited to be a part of this. And there was even from from episode one straight through to the final episode, there was a lot of those conversations happening. We were Yay. really lucky to to do that. So, yeah, I think I'm excited to see it and I'm excited to see how people respond to it, because I think it's actually really a unique show. What can you tell us about uh, Supervisor Kara Dega? Like, what what did you get to do? What were some new things? Because I know, like, you love challenges, right? Uh-huh, you know, uh-huh. so tell me about the the joys and challenges yeah. that you overcame, you know, for this role. Well, I, I'll, full disclosure, I didn't have to do any uh, any SFX makeup, so that was good. <laughs> I'll take a break from that for a little you while. Rested your skin. Yes, my skin got a rest. Um, yeah, it, Kara is a love. I love this character when I read it in the audition I was like I feel like you know you get these auditions every now and again where you go like I know this person yeah. you know sometimes it's a stretch and you got to work through it <clears throat> other times you get it and you go like I think I know who this person is yeah and I felt that way with this character um she's just she's kind of a badass frankly um she's worked her way up through uh, a system that is primarily comprised of white men. Yep. And she's at a high rank in this organization, the head of serious crimes. Mm. Um, she, she's one of only uh, very few women in this particular detachment and at, like again, at a high level. So she's calling a lot of shots and she's having to yeah. put up with a lot of, you know, stuff yeah. <laughs> as a result of that, a woman of color in that position. Um, she sort of becomes a little bit of a, um, without giving away too much but for for Sabrina for Sapinder's character she sort of is this thing that she sees that she wants yeah. Sapinder sort of is a, it's sort of a goal and then they end up kind of throughout the season crossing paths a little bit more um what I don't know what I found I think probably most challenging about playing her was that it's I had to kind of remove myself from not wanting to be too chummy <laughs> like it was mm. inter- it, you know as a character like there was there's a certain amount of um uh stoicism that i think she had to have that um mm. i had to really kind of remind myself all the time that like oh yeah i have to keep myself removed from wanting to be because you know um sapinder and enrico have this lovely chemistry and oh i'm God, so yeah. excited to yeah. see to watch people enjoy that because they even on and off camera they just have this really lovely chemistry yeah and so there's like this buddiness that comes and so when every time i was in a scene with them it was like i want to i want to chum too (laughs) and off camera we were all jummy and so i had to really like kind of fight those instincts to want to like be us you know i had to i want to see her grow i want to see sabrina grow and kara really wants to watch to challenge her yeah and not make it too easy for her because she, I didn't have it easy. Kara doesn't have it easy. So I think that was a big challenge was trying to really having to fight my instincts to be chummy. Mm. Um, and I would get that sometimes as a note, like I would do a scene and then the director would come in and go like, don't be so nice. And I'm like, oh yeah, sorry. I just like her so much. I really love, you know, Sapinder's just such a lovely person. And, um, and so that was a bit challenging, but you know, she's, yeah, she doesn't really give a frig. <laughs> so to speak and she I'm sorry did you say free I said swear free. on this oh, yay. podcast she gives zero fucks that's what I want to say okay oh that feels so much better she gives zero fucks I'm gonna say you it again oh I'm gonna cry you didn't know you I didn't, didn't know. know I mean I knew I just never you I know. work really hard for my uh explicit rating on Apple Podcasts okay? <laughs> I have two kids at home so I'm never sure like is it cool for me to no but yeah she she's someone who just like she is who she is yeah and she doesn't make excuses for herself and she trusts her instincts implicitly um 
but she also cares a great deal about her job and and her mm. job is sort of her whole life she knows what it is to she she doesn't take where she is for granted at all so i think i asked you this question three years ago um and I don't know if I did. I didn't listen. <laughs> I just, I'm, I'm, this is like, the, like we're around our 300th episode. Yeah, so, no, if you listen you know, to them all, you'd have no time. It's all I good. have listened to them. I was present. I edited them, but I have. I didn't listen to uh, it again in advance of yeah, this one. that's fine. But I probably asked you at the time, uh, of all the characters you've played, which one is the closest to who you are? Yeah. And I'm wondering, you know, now, because now we have even more characters mm-hmm. to consider, mm-hmm. you know, which which one... Which one would be the closest to who you are? Um, which one was the most fun to play? I know which I'm whispering that. Which one was the that. most fun to play? And which one, okay. Well, I think there are two. Oh, see, this is tricky. There are two. I think there are probably two different roles. Yeah. Um, the closest one to me. I don't know. It, see, it's a tricky thing because there's so many facets of an individual, right? Yeah. Like if I had to say, I would say probably the closest one to me would be iris in bletchley circle san francisco but there were there are a lot there's a lot of um like dolly in me too mm. from midnight mass like where there's just like a shyness and a you know um but there's a lot of cara in me too like cara De, again cara de Gaulle, like where i just kind of i'm like gonna show up and be authoritative and that does that's a problem sometimes in my in my personal life <laughs> like yeah. you know um so you're so th- at this table, then yeah. it, we have Iris, we have Dolly, um, and we have Kara. Yes, yeah, and me, yeah, because yeah. I'm here. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> and I mean, I would think like That's awesome. I also, I also do think that there's. I mean, listen, there's parts of me in every one of my characters, obviously, yeah. like most actors. Um, you know, even I, I did this really interesting uh, podcast a few weeks ago that was about uh, like b- sort of breaking down like um what was it called d deconstructing or something the house of the fall of the house of usher and we talked about sort of like from a like a from a uh, a psychiatric point (laughs) like all these people which was really interesting whoa yeah and that's just one episode (laughs) yeah it's it's, yeah uh, no psychoanalyzing it's called psychoanalyzing the fall of the house of usher every single character yeah it was it was really interesting and and so what it allowed me to do in that was really kind of think about it in that terms because the one of the hosts on that show is an actual psychiatrist and so what i realized is how much of actually in a in a now standing back from it how much morella is actually in me too especially in the party scene like there's a lot of that so it's yeah i was i'm sorry you mean the orgy scene the orgy scene yeah, yeah the orgy scene <laughs> that i called the party scene the orgy scene i didn't have didn't let's call it uh, yeah let's, let's call, call it what it is okay yeah. um but there's a lot of me and in, in in morella too yeah. or morella and me but i think the most the, probably to me she was very awkward I mean, she that's was very <laughs> awkward yeah and i think like i said in and you know in this in this other space and i've said this before it's like if i were to find myself at an orgy right now i'd be like maybe in my 20s i'd be like cool this is my jam like yeah oh that's my song get me another drink now i'd be like "Ooh, how do i stand what do i do with my arms like yeah should i drink this fast or slow um do i look over there do i look over <laughs> yeah, here where do i look yeah or i'd, I'd be just <laughs> yeah. like hey, can i go home already exactly. I'm what tired. time is it can i call an uber um but i think the most fun to play for sure today was morella yeah just because the wide range of stuff i got to do and you know again as much as i complain sometimes on the day like all the all the stuff the graphic stuff which i'm still working on putting together like my reel about like what i all all the things the processes that i had to go through for that but 
it just really was something so unique from yeah. anything I've ever done. And I got to be a Flanagan monster, like, which, which was so great. Like I got yeah. to be this thing that people will remember and be like, Ooh, remember when this happened to yeah. that girl? So which is fun. How long, how long did it take every day? Um, well, I was only in the full body thing, uh, really once. Yeah. And that was after the, the episode top of episode three yeah. basically after the orgy the aftermath and that was i think th four hours i think in the chair with everything and then plus like getting contacts on and then once they like goo you up and all that kind of and then getting you in the position with all the they called it the cuddle puddle which was just like a <laughs> mass of debris oh, <laughs> human debris so uh, it was gross so gnarly. it was like a it was, I mean, it was like Dante. Like it was yeah. like hell. It was, I I, yeah. I will say, I have to give a huge shout out to the background performers for that oh entire thing, God. for both the orgy itself and the aftermath. Like the orgy itself, I mean, we had lovely, lovely background performers who were like in all various states of undress yeah. and ha being like doing crazy things. Yeah. And they were intimacy like intimacy coordinator, intimacy coordinator, working very, working hard, very with hard. I think yeah. we had multiple on that day, but all of these performers came and they just like gave it 110%. And that scene, those scenes would not have worked if those people didn't show up and gave it their all. So I have to give like a huge shout out to the local background performer community because they completely made that scene. Yeah. And the, and also the aftermath, there were background performers who were like laying in that goo in various stages of things for hours and like no complaints. They just yeah. and again, like those are two major scenes that that would not have been possible if our background community hadn't showed up and came to like really gave it the 110 percent. So I have to give like a huge shout out to them. Shout, shout out to the background community. Seriously. But all, always. In all the productions. Yeah. <laughs> but this one, I was like, yeah, you guys, we wouldn't, this wouldn't have been possible they, without them. They brought it yeah. for sure. <clears throat> Crystal Balance. Yes. I have my last question here. Oh, wow. Um, well, you're going to come back, right? Hmm. Maybe not three years later. No, I'll come back, <laughs> come back sooner. Come back sooner. Come back sooner. Because, you know, especially after I watch. All the rest of the episodes yeah, of Allegiance. Exactly. Uh, I think that I'm I am very excited about. Genuinely, authentically excited Good. about the show. Yeah. Let's talk about what the fuck moments. What the fuck moments, yeah, yes. Do it. Um I might have asked you this question before as well, but you know what? Three years later. Let's do it. Let's do it again. Yes. Um when do you like do you have these like moments where you're like, what the fuck? This is actually my life? And I don't mean, what the fuck? <laughs> yeah. This Not is my life. Negative. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, what the fuck? In your so, when do these WTF moments happen? You know, in your work. Um, you know, I think I would say anytime I'm on a set, and I'm getting to do something you different, and I'm not just saying text or like, or we're just paying the bills. You know what I mean? Yeah. Which we all do. We we've all got to pay the bills. So sometimes you, have you to. take yeah. a job, or you do. You find yourself in a on a set, or saying some words, or playing a role that you're like, eh, I'm not as invested in this as I would love to be. Mm. But I got to feed my family, and those are great, and I'm grateful for those. But anytime I'm in an opportunity where I get to like. I'm playing on an incredible set or I'm sitting across from an actor who I admire yeah. and I, and, and they're just like, they're just my scene partner. Now they're not like such and such a person who I've watched on screen or that I've watched their work or that I've 
fawned on from afar. Yeah. They're like just my scene partner now. Then I go like, oh my God, you know, or, yeah. and so those things, that's definitely a moment. I also think it happens sometimes when I'm just like standing in my bathroom and like brushing my teeth and going like, did I just do that today? Like, did I just say all those words properly and and like get there? Or did I just like work with that person? Yeah. Or holy shit, did I just like, was I just in that show? You know, like sometimes it happens like days later, you know, yeah. like I had that with, I had that actually like yesterday. I was messaging with an old, an ex-boyfriend, which is kind of funny um, that I had he popped into my brain and it was, you know, 20 years ago. And I thought I should reach out and see how he's doing. Yeah. And he asked me briefly, like, how's the, he called it his, how's the movie career going? I was like, well, that's funny. It's not really a movie career. But then I started ta thinking about it and I was like, shit, you know, it's actually going really well. Like yeah. I, and, and it's, it's sometimes hard to admit it yeah. because it feels, I think in this industry, especially as Canadian actors, it, it tends to be a thing that we are, I don't know if it's a learned behavior or if we're taught to behave this way or we're taught to feel this way, but in some way, especially I think probably for women too and for women of color, we, we tend to be small. We, we tend to make ourselves really small. small. And, and even like I said this earlier, I was like, oh, I feel like being grateful is tooting my own horn, but you're right. Like it's great to celebrate those things. Yeah. And, and so when I'm given myself, when I give myself the space to actually go, I am doing the thing that I set out to do yeah. as a 15 year old kid, and I'm actually making a living doing it. I'm I'm getting to work on projects that people are seeing around the world, and and getting people are getting accolades for, and that are getting nominated, and I've won things like this is it. Like I'm yeah. actually living the life that I set out to live. And if I give, when I give myself space to actually acknowledge that and celebrate it for myself, that's kind of a what the fuck moment too, yeah. <laughs> because um, it's so easy to downplay it and to be, try to be subtle or be, you know, um, what's the word, you know, be small about it because we don't want people to think we're like, blowing our own horns but yeah we should be blowing our own horns we should we should be i want to be part of building a star system here yeah but you know what i also like i find it's for women especially it is less common for us to be like i am proud of what i did to make this happen you yeah know, dudes have like they say do that a lot easier you know but marginalized people it's like a lot you know, it, it's it's harder for us to do that. So, you know, but it's like, yeah, it's on one hand, it's like gratitude, but also I'm grateful to me. Yeah. <laughs> that like I, you know, I did this work. Wasn't there a, an actress of color? That's just, right. You know, just yeah. made a speech recently where she thanked a lot of people, but she also thanked herself. And yeah. It was very moving. And everyone was like tweeting it yeah. and like reposting it the next day because it was like this radical thing to yeah. say. Well, why aren't we saying that? Like that is an interesting, it's a really interesting conversation to have. Why don't we thank ourselves? Why don't we give ourselves more credit? Yeah. You know, I, I can sit here all day and like talk about how fabulous the people I've worked with are, but it's really hard when I have to turn the tables on myself and say like, Hey, I'm fabulous too. I was yeah. in it too. And I played a good part. Yeah. Um, but even saying that out loud right now feels weird. I did good <laughs> so, work. That's I okay. Did good I, work. I'll say all that about you. <laughs> but you know, so next time let's, 
I am not the psychologist or psychoanalyst, you know, however. Yeah. That is your homework. From That's this. my homework. Exactly. <laughs> Everyone should go home, look themselves in the mirror and say, I am amazing. You I did say, good work. Or thank yourself you yeah. know, for, for what it is that you do to make your life happen. Yeah. And I think also, I think as actors, you know, that's the thing that we, we, my actually you know nick reminds me of this often and, and he's really good at saying this is like you did that you know like i got a role a while ago i really had done a lot of roles where i didn't have a lot of speaking usher being one of them mm. and i wanted something that i got some words i wanted to chew on some dialogue yeah and i got a part on fire country and i had this really juicy episode where i was like interrogating the entire team and it was basically me talking the whole time mm. and he was like i want you to recognize that you did that you manifested that, you asked for that, and you did that, and then you got it. And mm. I was like, oh yeah, thank you. <laughs> like, thank you. <laughs> thank, I wish I could have told myself that, but thank you for saying it for me. It's good when we have a partner that will yeah. we'll, we'll say that stuff for us. Well, and speaking of gratitude, Crystal Bellin, I am grateful to you for being here thank you. today. Thank you for coming here and shining your light on us. Where can our listeners find you, follow you, celebrate you on social media, not in real life? Damn, don't be don't follow me in real life. No. <laughs> That's creepy. Also, I'm boring. Um, uh, you can follow me on Instagram. I'm at a girl named Crystal at Instagram. I do no longer have a X, an X account. I don't partake. Yeah, I still call it Twitter, even though Twitter I respect if when people want to be called something else, I respect <laughs> everybody else except for Elon Musk. Exactly. It's Fair still enough. Twitter. It's still Twitter. <laughs> I do know I no longer have a Twitter, but I do have that and I have a website at crystalbalent.com. You can check out. I try to keep that updated as much as I can, but uh, Instagram is mostly where you'll find me. And Vinny, do we find Vinny on there? Vinny does not have an Instagram account, but from time to time, I will post photos of Vinny. I'll, you know what? I'll post one soon Thank and then you. everyone can see Vinny. In time for this. In time for this to this launch. episode, yeah. <laughs> Next time, bring Vinny. Exactly. (laughs) No, he will hate that. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, thank you, Crystal Belind. Thanks, Serena. And thank you, listeners. Please like, subscribe, leave us a review if you're so inclined. They help us find even more listeners and we can keep having conversations like the rad one we had today. And also thank you to me because I'm great. Okay. (laughs) You're right. It does feel weird. It does feel weird. Okay. You can find us at YVRScreenScene.com. Follow us on Twitter, not X, but Twitter and Facebook and Instagram and Mastodon and Threads and I have a, Mari made a TikTok for me and anyway, YVR Screen Scene and at Sabrina Arp. The YVR Screen Scene podcast is hosted and executive produced by me, Sabrina Ranimera Firminger and it's edited by, oh, here come the Firmingers, Simon Firminger. Special thanks to Mariana Firminger for creating our Patreon ad and to Paul Firminger for technical support. YVR Screen Scene is a division of Firminger, nope, that's not right, Fish Flight Entertainment, a Firminger family company. Join us next time for another deep dive into Vancouver's dynamic film and television scene. And cut! Hey filmmakers, did you know that you can hire top quality, experienced, and professional actors for your films? If you're producing a student film for course credits, working on a web series, a short or a feature film, You can afford to have some of the best talent in the business in your production. How, you ask? Well, UBCP Actor has an ultra-low budget program, which offers a range of options that cover everything from student films to productions with a $300,000 budget. There is a ULB program that will meet your needs, regardless of your budget. To learn more, Visit ubcpactor.ca and look for ultra-low-budget programs 
or email ulbprogram at ubcpactra.ca. Now is the time to jumpstart your dream for the screen.